his career with Seattle, because I know that's kind of been in the rumor mill that he might be moving on. But great performance at home. Uh, big props to all the MLS fans who decided doesn't matter what kit you usually wear, you're out there supporting the MLS. Support the crest, I guess, is the way you can call it instead of the badge. Um, and yeah, it's it's huge. 16 years since a non-Liga MX team has won this tournament. So congratulations, MLS, less the Sounders. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It was difficult, I think, for everybody who was not a Sounders fan. And I'd argue even difficult for Sounders fans because I don't think any of those exist. But um, even, uh, even still, uh, arguably hard for all the other fans of MLS to get behind the Sounders given their douchiness. But nevertheless, um, nevertheless, we did it. And honestly, we deserve a trophy for having the stomach cheering for the Sounders because that is not an easy thing to do. I mean, just that rave green jersey just makes you want to yeet them out a window. But yeah, um, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, uh, it was a very big deal for MLS. Um, you know, the quote unquote has always been, oh, you can't be moves to the next level of MLS or whatever, MLS 3.0, whatever the hell we're going to call it now, until you win the Champions League. And now they've done it. And Seattle has earned the right to get destroyed by whatever European, other nation, continent, club they get put against in the Club World Cup. Now, God forbid they go on and win the Club World Cup. That would be quite hilarious. But um, yes, a big deal for MLS. And honestly, a big deal for soccer, really, in, in the United States and Canada in general. Um, you know, it, it, it really was kind of a big moment. My question for you, Conrad, was how big of a impact do you think having the second leg at home proved to be in deciding who won this tie? Um, I think it really does speak to the strength that those rave green fans have. Seattle is known to be a diehard sports city, whether that's the Seahawks or the Sounders. Or and the Mariners. The crack, and now the Mariners, that fan base has been beleaguered so i i don't mention <laughs> them. or their new kraken um, love the kraken they're very for their sports teams and that is really annoying because they're good at getting out and supporting they don't have to rally the troops like a lot of other clubs do they're just there right and and so we, we as switch the pitch should also give props where props are due jill who is over our photography yes. and who is an amazing amazing wonderful wonderful person is in Seattle takes ama- I mean amazing photos of of that match and everything else and yeah way to go Jill but yeah you're, you're no for sure you're, that stadium yeah. was rocking there, there's a reason they have the 13th man in football like or the 12th man rather I forget you guys have one less person on the field for that hand egg sport but um yeah it that city does provide a lot to its teams and they certainly were loud through the television screen. And just real quick reiteration, if you get a chance, please check out Jill's photos. Um, Check them out. I believe they're on the website and they're also on Twitter. Um, And there is some great shots that were taken and we do just want to give a shout out because it, it was truly a memorable moment. I know for Jill. And so please check out their photos if you get a chance. All right. Tying that in a bow and moving on, let's talk MLS. And let's start with my favorite game of this past 
week, and that was the Houston Dynamo versus four-time MLS champion DC United. And uh, not to toot my own horn or nothing, but uh, Darby, I got a special sound just for you to describe how that game went for you. Taxi! I need a taxi! Yes, it was the taxi show. Darby, what are your thoughts? I'll let you go first. How did it feel to lose to DC United? That's I absolutely opened myself to all of the trolling on Twitter. I had a homeowners association meeting, <laughs> so I only got to watch the highlights. Um, even I think I think even maybe a, a Houston fan had told me, like, "Wow, you know, maybe skip the first half on the rewatch. Maybe we'll pull it together in the second half." And by the end, was like, "Oh, this this didn't age well." Um, yeah, it just we I don't. I, there, there is no explanation for what happened from what I can tell from the highlights and the little bit of the rewatch I got to kind of speed through. Um, we kind of forgot how to, how to football. Like we, we showed up like um, maybe we were, I don't know, too, too worried about being so close to Congress. I, I have no idea. Like it was just, <laughs> it, it was silliness. I, I don't know what happened. I am looking forward to seeing my squad uh, figuring it out today because I need to see them back, please. Maybe they're all maybe they're all just too excited about um, Herrera starting. He's he'll, he'll be here before we know it. Like who knows? But yeah, they they neglected to soccer. Yeah, well, uh, I think your team's performance earned you one of these. Yes. Conrad, what were your thoughts on the game? I, I'm going to be honest. I've been really busy and didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, watch the highlights. As Darby said, the club didn't show up. So it's hard to comment on a game that one team was there and one team was not. I mean, I think you guys are missing the fact that DC United played out of their minds. I mean, come on, it's DC United. You know, the team that just fired their head coach is going to a bunch of scandals, can't figure anything out, doesn't feel the team in the Open Cup, has no idea what they're doing, that DC United. Yeah, they beat a team, an actual professional team in MLS. Like, I I, I am going to ride this into the sunset because this may be the only time we win for the rest of this season because this team is bad. I don't no, understand. No. You still pl- you still play the White Caps once this season. I yeah, think. I'm not sure we're gonna beat the White Caps. That's what I'm saying. This team is bad. Okay, and in a scale of one to bad, this team is very bad. All right, the front office is a joke. the The coaching staff is a joke. the the the, the players they're okay, I guess. But I mean, the point is. The team is bad, and that doesn't even account for the off the field drama. So the fact that we, they beat Houston get makes in- me giggle. Do we want to get into that off the field stuff now, and then we can talk about the rest of the MLS? We could you have Lasada time. I mean, I don't even know if I need Lasada time because honestly, look, look, and see now you've done it. Now you've opened up the freaking. I was gonna keep it under control, but now we're gonna go there. So let's go there. Look, the point is, all right, there are no redeeming qualities about DC United right now. None, zero. This team could win the MLS Cup, and I would still tell you this team has zero redeeming qualities. The front office is literally in shambles, literally in shambles. They do not know what they're doing. And even when they think they know what they're doing, they're half-assedly guessing and getting lucky. So let's start there. On top of that, on top of that, the coaching staff, like, look, I get, I get letting Lasada go. All right. That is, 
That is a choice. And it is a reasonable choice. It is a reasonable choice that that makes that makes sense if what is being told to us is true. However, however, um, just come out and say that. Don't give me a bunch of bullshit in a different like light and title. Look, I could go on and on. I don't think Chad Ashton knows what he's doing. I think that if you're going to fire the head coach, you might as well clean staff entirely. And I just think that the team is in shambles. Meanwhile, the players, you know, are doing their darndest to try to weather this storm. And it just feels almost unfair because this is a team that is the most successful team in MLS history. And, uh, you know, they, they can't, they can't figure out how to win a game, let alone win a playoff series. And I'm tired of settling for mediocrity. I don't like being mediocre. Not when, you know, look, we're not, no offense, but we're not Vancouver, okay? We're not used to being mediocre. We don't do mediocre. We are a team that that has successfully been known as a team that competes. So when the ownership comes in and doesn't want to spend money and doesn't want to do anything, it's incredibly frustrating. Conrad, I'll go to you. Well, thanks for the uh, shot at the white caps. I appreciate that one. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, it's it's sounding like it's a gong show down in DC. And coming from a team that knows its fair share of gong shows in the last few years with Vancouver, it's uh, fun to know that we're not the only ones. Um, and uh, but enjoy your win. You beat the Dynamo. Congratulations! We did beat the Dynamo. We did it. That's it. That's our MLS Cup, folks. Because it's all downhill from here. Because this team is bad. The organization is bad. Everything about it is bad. Moving on to anything other than DC United, who, by the way, one last one last thing. Look, here's the thing. We're going to talk about Open Cup, but I'm going to get this rant out now. Okay, and this is very important that I get it out now. I don't give a shit if we're playing the Red Bulls in a friendly match for charity in the middle of a park on a Tuesday at 3 a.m. You field the strongest lineup you can for the rivalry game. I do not give a crap where, when, how, who, why, for what purpose. I don't care if it's somebody's make-a-wish. You field the strongest team you can. It is the Red Bulls. I, I, I mean this in the nicest way. As someone who had a make-a-wish, I cannot stress enough. There are two things that I cannot stand as a DC United fan. Losing to the Red Bulls, number one, and losing to the Red Bulls, number two. That's it. Full stop. Like, you could tell me Philadelphia is a rivalry all you want. They aren't. We don't care about Philadelphia. Like, they are meaningless to us. We actually consider them a friendly rivalry. But to go out in the U.S. Open Cup and field not the first team, not the second team, not the third team, not the fourth team, but the fifth team is certainly a statement about where we're at. So, you know, um, all I've got to say on that front really is uh, disappointing effort from the Open Cup from D.C. United. Uh, embarrassing the lose to the Red Bulls three to nothing at home, and uh, now we go to Conrad. So I'm going to take the rant stick for a little bit. Mine won't be quite as impassioned as Ultras, but Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. What's what is happening here? We can't just lose. We can lose twice in a row, not to a good team, but to Cincinnati. Yeah, that's right, Cincinnati. You are not a good team. Toronto, you are just that bad this year. We can bring in Bob Bradley to coach his son. K 
congratulations, warm, heartfelt moment. But then we lose twice in a row to Cincinnati, conceding four goals, only scoring one of our own. And then we can go to Vancouver. Oh, it's Vancouver who's likely going to win the wooden spoon this year. No, we can't even beat Vancouver. Of course, that was the worst MLS ref performance I have seen in ever in my short MLS fandom. But did they lock the VAR official in the bathroom and they couldn't make a decision? Like, the fact that we had a goal disallowed that was the keeper spilled the ball but apparently still was in control? Like, I... I as I've said, I love Thomas Assal. He is a very excellent young man. Not a great keeper, but an excellent young man. And he spills the ball and then gets the goal gets kicked in. And on the follow through, it hits his already broken hand and breaks it further. Like, come on, TFC. You need to be better than this. And then the fact that the Vancouver goal is clearly offside and VR get, lets it go through. The world hates Toronto. I hate Toronto too. Toronto is awful. It is an awful, awful place where I don't wish my worst enemies to go to. But TFC needs to get a win here. Like, I don't know. It might be a battle for the wooden spoon between TFC and Vancouver, unless Insigne actually is the second coming of the Lord and Savior. But who knows? I'm well, actually, I'm I'm trying to look it up right now. Do you know who the who the ref was in that game? Who the center was? Oh, no. I have no idea. I haven't been. I I flushed that game from my memory. For the record, I was shown a replay of this disallowed goal, and uh, let me just say, it may go down in history as arguably the worst not allowed. Like I don't, I don't know in what universe you have to be watching this game. To, like I just, I don't, I don't understand. I had many questions. Yeah, the ball is clearly spilled by Hassal, who is playing. Probably shouldn't have been playing in this match because he's apparently has a broken bone in his hand uh, prior to this match. So why he was in net, other than the fact that their backup keeper is someone they literally picked up off of the uh, MLS uh, transfer thing, the like pool of players that they have warming up together in case the teams need a player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and now he's their starting keeper who they picked up middle of last month. By the way, yeah. And I thought we were in shambles. Yeah, Vancouver's bad, and they're probably going to lose to Valor in the Canadian Cup. Yeah. Or Canadian Championship. So... I mean, we we are really playing with top-tier... Ch- I mean, my team got beat by DC. Like, yes. That's... They did. I have, Mont- I have Montreal still. Like, there let's... You go. And Cavalry, but that's another that's, league. You know, Canadian benefits. Healthcare... Yeah education and getting to pick the winningest team in your country. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Apparently if you're Canadian, you get like three teams. I mean, good Lord. I didn't realize that's how it works, but apparently we should adopt that. I mean, we did, we did for Seattle. So I guess, you know, we got to experience that a little bit. And like, to be fair, Montreal, if I had to rank the three teams, Montreal would be on top because they do have a former cavalry player who scored his first goal in the MLS, by the way, congratulations, Joel Waterman, always a Cav. Um, but yeah. Speaking of Montreal, though, I think there's some news you want to uh, share with our podcast, don't you? Oh, they finally announced it in communicating with both their fans and their sponsors. They will be redesigning their logo. The butthole logo will be no more. The butthole snowflake is leaving. Thank Christ. 
I hope they just fully roll back the rebrand and bring back the impact as I tweeted about a week ago. But like, oh God, it's so bad. You know, I'll be honest. Um, I'm pro butthole logo. Like I, I honestly think everyone needs more buttholes in their life. So like, I it's, think it's, it was great. It's supposed to be a snowflake. It's not a snowflake. You're not a ski resort. Montreal, you're a soccer team. Go Are back they? to being the oh, coming from a DC United supporter that's rich. Um, so hopefully the next logo will be better. We've had a year of the butthole and it's already gone. So man, gone I, but not forgotten. Things I never thought I would hear on this podcast: the sentence "year of the butthole" can mark off my bingo card for that. Uh, so yeah, let's uh let's talk about the Open Cup real quick for a little bit. So as we obviously have covered, DC United, you know, shit the bed. No surprise, they don't value the Open Cup. Um, but tonight we've got some interesting games, and Conrad, I'll let you go ahead and cover those. Um, so we'll start with the clubs that aren't the or the matchups that aren't just MLS versus MLS. Sure. So first off, we have Richmond versus Charlotte. Uh, I can't remember what they're full. The Richmond Kickers. Richmond Kickers, baby. Um, against Charlotte. So Richmond actually has a shot because it's Charlotte. They do. Um, and then it's, oh my God, MLS website. Could you be any slower? It's New the York Rochester. New- Rochester. Yeah, New York versus Rochester. Hopefully Rochester wins just because uh, I know that would drive a certain supporter of this podcast very mad because I, I know we already said that me and Ultra were going to tear into the... Uh, Tear into NYCFC. Um, but yeah, go go Rochester. Um, San Antonio versus Houston. We've talked a little bit about go San Antonio just for the drama. Um, and Cal United versus LA Galaxy. We all know Cal United has no shot. But go Cal United. Um, just because, like, let's be honest, it's always fun when you have some of these non-league teams making it through to the past the MLS teams. I, Honestly, I just think that's so much more fun. I would like nothing more than for a non-MLS team to win this for no other reason that the MLS teams clearly don't value this cup and therefore I don't think any of them deserve to win it. I don't... I that That's my honest belief. These See, MLS clubs do not give a shit about the US Open Cup. It's not like the FA Cup or even if you're in the FA Cup, some of these top-tier squads when they're playing non-league teams will still run out their first team at least to start. And well, then you'll the see thing. five rotation players come in. But there's a difference between three or four rotation players and playing like the C squad, right? Like oh, yeah. even in Europe, or even in England, let's take England for the FA Cup, they play, they may not play their starters, but they're not playing their third stringers. You know, they're playing some of their starters with some of the guys who need minutes. And that's okay. But most of these MLS teams, they just don't care about the Open Cup. Darby, what say you? Yeah, I'm, um, I think that tonight is going to be a real um test for Houston because we had way too much fun making fun of Austin losing to San Antonio a couple of weeks ago and so if we can't come back and beat San Antonio it it will really um show that there is is more than a stumble for the team uh we started out relatively strong and and have quickly started to stumble um we are a I would say that we are an MLS team that cares about the U.S. Open Cup just because we won it a couple of years ago, or I guess a couple of years ago plus a couple of COVID years. Uh, <laughs> 20, 2018, we won the Open Cup when 
when we couldn't win an MLS match to save our life, we won the Open Cup championship. Right. Like, like idiots. <laughs> well, you're not the only ones, though, because DC United did that in 2013. But that's, yeah, yeah. that's it. So, so I, I do uh, think that, that it is an absolute chaos tournament. Um, I do think that teams only start to pay attention if they're um, if they start to show any level of success, which is impossible to to see at this point. So it really is just a chaos tournament. Um, it's it's an opportunity to get out there and uh, play some soccer and exhaust your starters if you care um, to to do more poorly in MLS. And I don't love it, but I also really really love my scarves that i got when we won <laughs> um and we do have a couple other matchups still we have rebs versus cincinnati come on cincinnati you beat toronto twice now you can just send josie altador back to his cozy retirement home um minnesota versus colorado uh dane st Clair. i don't think you can save the loons even more uh nashville versus atlanta that will be an absolutely awful game i don't think i'll turn that one on uh seattle versus san jose um, that might actually be a match to watch. And that's it for this week. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do just want to loop back around on the Open Cup talk, which is that, you know, um, that is part of the problem that I think the U.S. Open Cup has, right? Is that it literally turned into a, oh, crap, our MLS season is going poorly. We better win the Open Cup. As opposed to, like, look, in my view as a fan, the Open Cup is a trophy, right? If you bring back the Open Cup and do terribly the rest of the whatever, that's still a successful season because you want a trophy. Like, that's that's how I view it. So I just do not appreciate that teams care so little about it. Um, it's almost embarrassing to a point where it's like, okay, well, we're going to run out four stringers. But you're absolutely right. The teams that end up winning this traditionally do not have successful MLS campaigns. Um, and that is a problem, I think, overall for the tournament. I would certainly agree. Um, we don't have the same problem up here in Canada just because we don't really have an open cup format. We actually have a championship qualifiers from a couple different leagues to play in the Canadian championship. Um but yeah, I certainly think that a lot of teams go into this, especially when they're facing non-MLS competition and run out sides that you would never consider to be successful. Um, and that needs to change. Um, it'll be interesting seeing what teams like Nashville, Atlanta, the Loons, and Colorado end up running out. Because like, if you are Minnesota, are you going to send Dane St. Clair out there? Are you going to send your superstars out? Like, It's, it's really a shame. Um, but at the same time, sometimes you want to get some of your youth into a match that in some people's minds, supporters and otherwise, it doesn't matter. You want to make sure that they're getting minutes and getting warmed up to being on the bigger stage. Like, especially if that's some of the MLS 2.0 or MLS Next, I guess it's called now. I don't even know what that league's called. But if you're bringing up people from your MLS Next to come play some of these matches, I don't think that's the worst thing. But I also think that that shouldn't be the full squad. Like. DC United. Correct. So real quick, I want to do a hard pivot here uh, to some international soccer just to cover it very, very briefly. Um, and that is we are about two months out from the CONCACAF Women's Championship, which, we, as we've talked about on this show previously, 
is a really stupid way to determine the World Cup qualifiers and also the Olympic qualifiers all in one tournament so the women have to play less games, um, which is stupid. But nevertheless, uh, it's happening, and we have our groups now, and we have a better idea about what this is going to look like. Um, so I just kind of wanted to take a moment to talk on it. And basically, the concept is the following. Uh, there are two groups of four with the seeded teams in each group being the United States and Canada, respectively. Uh, no surprise there. Um, it's being hosted for the first time in Mexico, and the first time in a long time, I guess I should say. Um, normally, these these CONCACAF tournaments for the women are held in America. Sometimes they're held in Canada. Um, very rarely are they held in Mexico. And basically, uh, the top two teams in each group will advance directly to the World Cup. Um the third place teams in each group will go to the Interconfederation playoff. But where it gets slightly bizarre is the Olympic qualification. So the Olympic qualifiers are not the two winners of the groups or anything like that. It is the winner of the whole knockout stage tournament. And then the winner of the third place playoff will take on the loser of the final and the winner of that match will then become the second team to go to the Olympics. So not the runner-up for the tournament, which would make the most logical sense. But um, instead, the third-place finisher and the second-place finisher will play to determine who the second-place finisher is, even though we just had an entire tournament to do that, um, essentially. So, yes. What are your thoughts on that, Conrad, to you first? Well, number one, I'm worried about Canada's chances, actually. Um, we did not play very well in our friendlies that we held to kind of celebrate the champions. Played two matches against Nigeria and had to come back against Nigeria uh, to tie the second game uh, or the last game of our gold, uh, share the gold sort of tournament. Right. So I'm worried about us. Um, Christine Sinclair is obviously still the best soccer player in the world, men, male or female. I don't think there's a lot of debate on that, especially when it comes to scoring goals. But she's getting up there in age. Um, that's just the way it is. The father time is undefeated. So I'm a little worried about Canada's chances. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think it will be some combination of Canada. I think it will be Canada and U.S. advancing, just because I don't think there's a lot of competition in Congress. So let me put it to you this much... way, because I, I want to follow up question to you, since you're concerned. So your group is definitely, I think, the weaker of the two groups. Um, so basically, to not qualify directly, you'd have to lose out to Costa Rica, Panama, and Trinidad and Tobago. So I think for the World Cup, I think you guys are pretty much set. I'd have yeah, to agree it's, with that. It's more the Olympics. That I yeah, the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page, because I was like, if you, guys, if you guys can't finish second or first in this group, then it's time to hit the panic button for Canada. Yeah, um, I, I as you said, yeah, I think 100% World Cup is as much of a lock as it can be. Um, but it's it's definitely the Olympics that I think we're looking forward to because that would be incredibly embarrassing for Canada soccer to go from winning the gold medal to not making the Olympics. So, so. to make the Olympics, you essentially have to win one knockout stage match is what it looks like. And actually, I don't even know if you have to do that. Um, you you have to at least to get in. Actually, hang on. I'm looking at this bracket. And it looks like, okay, this is the... All right. This is really stupid. 
It so, gets worse the longer you look at it. <laughs> it really does. So the winners of the two groups. So you're, uh, uh, yeah. So you need to win one match. Essentially, you need to win one match in the knockout stage to guarantee yourself a shot at the Olympics. Okay, I think we can do it. Let's so, go, Canada. Let's go get another gold medal because we'll beat the U.S. in quarterfinal play again. If you if you can win either the, so winning, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. Oh my God, this is horrible. Um, I'm sorry, I, it's breaking my brain. Um, so if Canada can just win their one match in the, assuming they get to the knockout stage, then they'll be, even if they lose that match, they're guaranteed a third place match. And then if they can win that, they're guaranteed a playoff match. But like, you need to win at least one match. Essentially, is what it takes to give yourself a shot. You win two matches, you're locked in. But uh, yeah, this is real freaking dumb. It's Concacaf. What did you expect? I know, but doesn't mean I have to like well, do it. You, do you think that it's Concacaf that had anything to do with the like adding in? Like it's it's almost like the Olympics. We're like, you know what? We don't have time. Let's just we'll use yours, but we have to make it a little different. That seems nice. <laughs> like, well, like how did they previously do qualifying for the Olympics? Wasn't it oh, just? No. it was its own independent tournament, wasn't it? I feel like it. Okay, let's go and take a Maybe. look. Oh my gosh! Let's, let's look it up. That's why God created Google. That's why God and, and created like, Google. So while while you're looking this up, the reminded these venues aren't. It isn't the Estadio Azteca. It's playing in Guadalupe at Estadio BBVA and at Estadio Universitario in San Nicolas de Garza. Um, obviously, still premier level stadiums, but not the Azteca. This is. Uh, 53,000 seats for uh, Estadio BBVA and Estadio Universitario is um, 41,000. So still big stadiums and they are in northern Mexico. So it's an easier trip for uh, all the American fans that are going to make their way down. Ooh, maybe I'll actually get to use my passport. Maybe I'll try to go to a match. We should do that. We should use our passports and go. Uh, So the way it was done previously was um its own independent tournament which had nothing to do with the world cup i believe yeah Yeah. let me just double check yes it was its own olympic qualifying tournament um where there was a knockout stage and then the winner and the runner-up uh both went to the olympics which makes sense. There was no inner CONCACAF playoff or whatever, uh, which is how Canada got into the last Olympics via 3-0 loss to the United States. All right. Now we know. So, uh, but yeah. Um, ironically, the last time Mexico hosted the qualifying, by the way, like we said, it's been a minute. So, um was 2016 i believe uh, i want to say it was two venues and two host cities and, so both uh, both yeah. of the hosts for this are in the Mon- monterey province um, oh, there you go so they are both in monterey um so no outside of city travel even for both of these stadiums which is good there you go because sometimes Gosh. when nations like Mexico host, it's like across the country or Canada for that matter. 
where one of the venues is BC Place in Vancouver, and one of them is uh, either Stad Saputo or um, I can't remember, BMO Field. That's the one. That's Toronto FC's home ground, where it's literally a four-hour flight between stadiums. So, man, if you've ever actually gone on a journey looking back through some of these qualifying tournaments, it is scary how they used to do this. Like, I mean, it just gets progressively worse the further back you go. So you want it? So okay. Let's let's go on a little tangent here. The last time Canada qualified for a World Cup prior to this qualification, they won their qualification not in a football ground. It was in a park in St. John's that they solidified their qualification window in. That That's sounds like, about right. Yeah, it's uh it's it's interesting. The history of North American soccer is uh, a fascinating place to be. Well, the more can, you know. Speaking of St. John's, can this is this a time for Conrad's seven minutes of CPL? Yeah, let's go with Conrad's seven minutes of CPL. But first, victory screech! <laughs> All right, Conrad, take it away. All right. So in the CPL over the last week, it's been kind of an interesting uh, timeline because we actually did have one match postponed due to COVID health measures. That wonderful, wonderful phrase that no one wants to hear. That was a match between Valor and Forge FC. Um, So that match will be played later in the season. Um, When we want to look at the table, what used to be what is up is up and down is down, or what what is up is down and down is up, where FC Edmonton was near the top of the table and Cavalry was near the bottom. That's kind of fixed itself. We have the champions of last year, Pacific in first place, York United, formerly known as York 9. We've had a we've had a championship quality league for three years, and we've already had one rebrand in the league. Um, and then we have Cavalry, followed by HFX Wanderers, Atletico Ottawa, Valor, Forge FC, and FC Edmonton. Obviously, Valor and Forge have only played four matches. FC Edmonton has played six, along with Pacific, and the rest of the teams have played five matches. But we have also started our Canadian Championship, as I mentioned earlier in... Uh, the podcast. Um, so match one hasn't actually been played yet. That is being played today between the Vancouver Whitecaps FC versus Valor FC. The odds on favorite to win that match is actually the Canadian Premier League side. Um, if you look at the betting sites. So uh, good job, Whitecaps. When are you joining the CPL? Um, we had Cavalry face FC Edmonton last night. Uh, Cavalry came away from the match 2-1 victors. FC Edmonton has actually never defeated Cavalry in their history. Um, it has been 11 wins, 3 draws record for Cavalry over Edmonton. Uh, we had Atletico Ottawa and York United go into through 90 minutes, tied 1-1. No extra time in the Canadian Championship, straight to penalties, which was won by York United. Um, 7-6. Good job, Nicholas Giannstopoulos, former Cavalry keeper on that one. Um, today we also have a match between Forge FC and CS Mont Royal Ultramont, which is the Quebec champions um, of the Quebec Major League. Um, I likely will choose Forge in that match. Um, then we had Guelph United, who are the Ontario League champions, take on Halifax Wanderers FC. Halifax scored a couple worldies in that match. Um, I was actually really rooting for Guelph United. Um, if you pay attention to world soccer, that was the keeper who was playing in Canada and then left his club to go fight for his home country of Ukraine. He was back with the squad for a week prior to this match and did play in net and had some valiant efforts 
in net to try and get Guelph onto the next level. Um, so yeah, that's your Canadian uh, minute. We're our matchups in the CPL for next week. Um, start off on Saturday, Forge versus Atletico Ottawa. Hopefully that match does not get postponed because I've heard Forge have had some had some issues with a certain virus. Uh, Pacific face off against FC Edmonton. Then on Sunday, you have Halifax Wanderers versus, versus Cavalry, which I think will be the match of the week. Uh, Halifax are on the upswing, and Cavalry finally knows how to score goals. Um, however, Cavalry will not have a full bench. It is rumored that we'll only have five players on the bench for that match, um, including our backup keeper. Um, so, yeah. Um, and the final match of the week is Valor versus York United. So, battle in the middle of the table there as well. Yeah, and that's your uh, CPL update. Um, well, if you have if you have Fubo TV and a VPN, f- please tune in. We need more viewership. Well, thank you, Conrad. And now, in closing, as we get ready to wrap, um, I want to bring us over to the NWSL real quick, uh, and I want to talk about the Challenge Cup and the need about whether or not this thing needs to exist anymore. Um, you know, there was a time and a place for when the challenge cup did need to exist. I think we have since moved past that. I believe that the purpose of the challenge cup is no longer served by congesting the match fixtures um, and the match calendar. Uh, I will say, and I will, I will say this uh, just to tell a story. I was in Columbus to DJ as most, most people know who follow my Twitter. Um, And I had a bunch of my friends over and we were just kind of hanging out. And these are not friends who particularly care about about sports. But they got so into the spirit match that by the end of it, they were screaming and hollering at the TV uh, during the spot kicks. And that, to me, speaks testaments about just how far women's soccer has come in the country to where we can gather a bunch of people around the tv and get them invested which we always knew they could it was not a surprise to anybody who has a brain that women's sports are just as if not more entertaining than men's sports half the time um but it does raise the question of is there still a need for the challenge cup and i want to go to darby first darby what do you think i think that like you said the challenge cup had its place um with that first covid year houston won BT dub. (laughs) Um, But, but no, like I I think that having a preseason, some preseason competition is not unheard of. I mean, almost every league has some sort of preseason competition and sometimes they even call it a quote unquote cup, but it's not over the entire league. It's often regional. Um, We play ours, I think in Tucson, Arizona, uh, for MLS, for the Dynamo. Um, and, and they, they don't mean as much. They, you know, uh, NWSL has, has declined to provide, uh, stars on, on crests for, uh, winning challenge cups. Like it's, you, you can't, NWSL can't tout it as an important critical tournament that should be, uh, you know, butting up into actual league play at the same time as they're saying it's not an important enough tournament for stars. It's not an important enough tournament uh, for some other um, recognition. You know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So 
I, I think that they either need to to give it some real clout or or just just drop it. And I'm definitely on the on the side of drop it because because yeah, there's there's games to be played. Uh, a, a regional preseason cup, quote unquote cup, is is fine, but you know, stick with the stick with the season. Conrad, what say you? I'm 100% in agreement. Do your regional preseason games, but you don't you don't need a cup. Um, the only reason I knew that this tournament was going on is because I heard about a new pub that's only showing women's sports that's opened in Portland called the Sports Bra, which I think is brilliant uh, in terms of branding. Um, and that's the only reason I knew that this tournament was happening. It's not publicized to the level it should be like and a lot of teams were struggling to keep their rosters healthy cuz players aren't up to game speed yet for this tournament so if it's going to be a cup make it an actual cup let teams earn stars let them earn accolades but it's it's time is as necessary as 100% gone so here's the thing, right? I wouldn't mind if they wanted to add this in as an additional tournament that happened throughout the entire season, right? Like not something that happens all at once at the beginning of the year, but like during break windows, you have occasional challenge cup games, right? Okay. I could get behind that. Um, I could get behind that if, and only if they allowed it to be recognized as just as important as a quote unquote supporter shield in MLS or as winning the NWSL championship. Like, because if it's going to be a year long tournament, then you should be recognized with having a star or something on your trophy, on your jersey. Uh, traditionally, um, the NWSL just hasn't chosen to recognize it. And while I think, you know, you guys are absolutely on the head, like preseason tournaments are important. A preseason tournament that lasts two and a half months, you know, is a little excessive. And also once it starts running into match fixtures, where you know, where you spirit have to play the OL rain twice in like three days, like it's ridiculous. Um, and then you know, it, it becomes a matter of is this going to turn into an open cup situation where teams are going to stop fielding their best players? And then you know, like I said, I think it had its time, but I think its time has run its course. Uh, and you know, I think that's a good thing. I think that shows the league is growing 100%. And um, this is the first year the San Diego Wave have been in the league, correct? Congratulations for them, and uh, good luck on their inaugural season. Did San Diego join this year, or was it? I think it was this year, or was it last year? I can't remember. Let me, let me, let me Google. Because I think they're new. They're also playing out of Torero Stadium, which is... Um, the stadium that is um oh my goodness club let me go i think it is this year when did they oh my god but anyways why is it so uh, hard to find <laughs> yeah they were they were founded june 8th so they did not play in the last season okay there we go Began play in 2022. Yep. So this is their first season. Yep. There we go. And they have Kalen Sheridan in net, which is uh, Canada's starting keeper, and a lot of um, up-and-comers, but uh, also Alex Morgan from the U.S. So keep yep. an eye on the wave. 
just realized I've been muted for like the past five minutes. So that's totally cool. I've been screaming 2022 at you for like the past five minutes. And we're wondering why you guys were ignoring me. I'm like, well, screw you guys. That's cool. Um, I'm going home. Uh, yes. Our Wikipedia's. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. So 2022, the president is Jill Ellis. Yeah. Um. So they're currently top of the table, ironically, with two games to played. So and look at that them. crest. That crest is top tier. It's a choice. Truth. I I choice. love it. It's I like it. It's it's it's, it's, no it's retro wave. It's oh. no butthole. <laughs> That's true. If the standard, if the standard is butthole or no butthole, this is definitely in the no butthole category. Uh, I don't know that sun in the waves on the right hand oh, side. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like a half butthole. I mean, you know, like <laughs> another butthole scale. It's like a a five out of ten. All right. Before this goes any more off the rails, uh, Darby, why don't you give us our closing spiel? Our closing spiel. Yay! Um, thanks for joining us on the Switch the Pitch podcast. The podcast for those of us with resting pitch face. Um, you can uh, find us on Instagram and on Twitter at switch the pitch and the number one, switch the pitch one on uh, Facebook at fb.me slash switch the pitch and switch the pitch soccer.com. Thanks to Jana Pokop and um, one, two, three scream for our podcast anthem, which I don't think we even remember to play today. Thanks anyway. Um, you can no, find we, there. We played it. We opened it. Oh no, we did. I remember the dance. It, it was the lights. I was distracted by the lights that the people can't see. Um, but, um, Sorry, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks to Jana and One Two Three Scream. Uh, their links to their websites are in the show notes. And yeah, catch us next time. And of course, real quick, just a last minute reminder to please check out our website and check out the wonderful photo gallery from the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, it is finally up. It is going to it is truly, truly spectacular. And, uh, you know, also some great articles out there. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And from all of us here at Search the Pitch, we will see you soon. A little bit of closing notes just for you real fast. Um, we are going to be doing some World Cup coverage coming up in the next couple of weeks. So get ready for that. We've started our research process and uh, we'll see you then. And one last time for Darby. Taxi! I need a taxi! You need we'll see you taxi. guys next time. The rest Goodbye, everybody. Oh.